You're listening to the Opening Statements Podcast, brought to you by HyperChat Social, the podcast bringing you real lawyers and their real stories. I'm Laura. I'm Rebecca. I'm producer Evan. And this week, our guest is Clayton Kane of Kane Injury Law, which was voted Best of Gwinnett County. He is a super lawyer's rising star since 2018, a member of the executive board with the Gwinnett County Chamber of Commerce, and a top 40 under 40 national trial lawyer. Yeah. And today, his most prestigious honor, he joins the Opening Statements podcast. Court is now in session. Welcome to the show. Great. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. We're excited to have you. So we'll just kick it right off with... The easy questions. Why do you do law? Why do I do law? That's a that's a that's a very loaded question. It is. A very fun <laughs> question. To ask. It's a very fun question for me to answer. So, growing up, I never thought that I would be a lawyer. Never even thought about it. Never had any interest in being a lawyer. Uh, I was a baseball player. Okay. Yeah. I, I, you know, I played sports in high school. Played baseball in college. Thought I was going to be a professional baseball player. Um, Seems like a familiar story. <laughs> and, it, and it didn't work out, right? I mean, and so... But he made the baseball team. <laughs> yes, he did make the baseball right. team. That's right. That's Sorry, right. Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, I started, uh, you know, went to University of Georgia, played there, and then... Oh, wow. um, oh so you played to, baseball. Yeah, yeah. I played baseball. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You didn't so, just play, like... Baseball. Right. You played baseball. <laughs> okay, very cool. I was, I was, I was a decent college player. Uh-huh. Um, played at Georgia for three years, then transferred to Valdosta State mm-hmm. and cool. finished my last two years there and was an All-American down there. Cool. And, um, you know, thought I was going to go play professional baseball after that, right? Yeah. Well, there's not a lot of use for a 23-year-old slow baseball player. And <laughs> so, uh, you know, I had a couple offers to go play pro ball, but uh, it was that time I was 23 years old, mm-hmm. knew I was never going to make it to the big leagues. And so just decided, all right, what the hell am I going to do next? You didn't want to join the Gwinnett Braves? <laughs> I, would, I would have loved <laughs> to join the Gwinnett Braves. Hey, the Stripers now, y'all. Come is that on. what oh, yeah, it is now? Oh, it's the Stripers. Savannah right. Bananas? The, now, that is something I'm very interested in. Dude, yeah. Savannah Bananas rule. If they're they awesome. come calling. They're awesome. Jesse Cole has done an we got incredible things down there. Yes. Mm-hmm. At the Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. At the Christmas last week. It was awesome. You guys the Savannah Bananas guy? Oh, that guy's like an idol of mine. He's oh, a legend. So I could cool. see that. I that I could see the vibes there. Yeah, he's just so weird and like, ah, uh, love it. Yeah, anyway. yeah. yeah. He's, I mean, he's he's changing the game of baseball. Yeah, it's yeah. really freaking cool. Yeah, I mean, it's really awesome what he's doing. I mean, he's changing sports in general. I mean, there's a lot of sports GMs and sports executives go, going down to see what he's doing from yes. a, from an ownership and from a you know how to run an organization standpoint. It's yeah, really, really cool. You he's, just treat any sport closer to like a pinball machine, and that's how you get people. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, he's, he's doing amazing things down there. Yeah. So baseball, what position did pan did out? First and third. Oh, first, first and third. Played did you run field. from first to third? You I like did. Threw it to yourself? Yeah, he yeah, played faster balls. than the I ball. I just ran it there. It's, it's <laughs> a mix between football and baseball. That's what <laughs> yeah. I played. There you go. <laughs> yeah. There's a market for <laughs> so, you yeah, somewhere. It's be fun. So, yeah. <laughs> so baseball didn't pan out. What happens? So after college, I had to figure out, again, what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point, law was never in my mind or anything. And so I ended up going to Georgia State and get my master's degree in sports administration. Um, And I was a graduate assistant baseball coach at Georgia State. Did that for a year and said, if I can't play, then I'll go coach. Mm, Right. Um, I had a coach at Valdosta State who was was one of my biggest mentors. um, Mm -hmm. And he kind of pushed me in the direction of coaching and did that for a year. Absolutely hated it. Ooh. I hated coaching. I hated, I hated being around the game and not being able to play. Oh. Mm-hmm. I hated not being able to play. That's and, fair. you know, I realized and I had so much more respect for my coaches after that. 
because I'm like, these kids are brats. <laughs> I mean, plain and simple. They don't listen. No. Yeah. You try to explain. They know best. Oh, they know everything. And uh-huh. I'm like, that, that was that was me, wasn't it? Like that. So yeah. I would call my coaches. I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, you, sorry. You, Perspective. I'm so sorry. You know? Yeah. And so uh, did that for a year, realized I did not want to coach. And so I had another year of my master's program left. And um, the opportunity came up to work for a sports agent. Um, sports agency in Atlanta that represented all professional basketball players. Mm. Uh, went and worked for the guy who ran that firm. Mm. Um, he had an office in Buckhead and went and did that for a year and loved it. Uh, it was it was one of the best experiences of my life working with the players, yeah. working with contracts. You know, helping uh, helping the contract negotiations with the teams, with endorsements, basically just kind of you know helping these athletes get on and uh, get on with their lives and really help them not only in their professional career but afterwards mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so I said, that's that's what I want to do. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I can be in sports. I can be around sports and. Uh, you know, and Andrew, the guy I worked for, said, if you want to do this, you need to go to law school. Okay. Contract negotiations, IP law, name, image, likeness. There's a lot of other aspects that's intertwined between agent work and, and law. Legal, yeah. And at that time, again, I still had no clue what law school was. Yeah. Did you jump at that? Were you like, all right, yeah, I guess I'll do that? Or... I, I mean, again, I, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know. <laughs> he was, like, Let me open I, was like, I was like, so. <laughs> Do I just apply? I mean, yeah. I really, at that point, I had no it. clue. I saw Liar Liar. Is it like that? Exactly. <laughs> it's it, it, kind of like it is. And I, and I was like, I, I mean, what do I – and he walked me through the process. You got to go take the LSAT. And I'm like, what's the LSAT? I was going to say, I was like, yeah. I have no clue what the LSAT was, which is by far the dumbest test oh. ever. It's, it, it's, I, I hate the LSAT with a passion um, almost as much as the bar exam. But went and, t- <laughs> and it signed up for the LSAT, went and took the LSAT. Got into law school, went to uh, Cumberland School of Law at Samford in mm-hmm. Birmingham, Alabama, and uh, got there and, again, was like, what do I do now? <laughs> What's I, I, here? I, I, didn't know, I didn't know a soul there. Um, ended up there were some people that I knew growing up, and um, okay. there's you know, somebody I went to high school with that went there, some people that I knew, but you know, had mutual friends and things like that. But, again, I had no idea what law school was. I had no idea what, uh, what, I, was, what I signed up for, really. Um, I was like, I just want to be a sports agent, guys. Like, this is all I want to do. I don't care yeah. about this. I don't care about real estate. I don't care about all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing about Cumberland is they have a really, really strong trial program, okay. which I had no idea about. But in your first year at Cumberland, you're required to do a trial competition. Fine. So it's kind of like the initi- you know, your initiation, yeah. your first year of law school, you know, you're going to do a trial competition. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, well, I've seen Liar Liar. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, seen, I've seen some of these movies. I can do this. Um, I'm going to make a big impassioned speech at the end, have a surprise witness, and it'll be good to go. Exactly. You know, I, I didn't know the rules of evidence. I didn't know procedurally anything like that, right? And so get up there and – realize that it's a lot like sports mm-hmm. the competition you got one side okay. against the other side yeah you got the referee or the umpire who's the judge you got the audience who's the jury and you, you got to be prepared you got to be ready to go at all times you got to know everything that's going on you got to know your opponent you know you got to know who you're dealing with you got to know your teammates everybody that's on your side um and I loved interesting it. yeah and i loved it yeah and i was like this is what I want to do. Okay. This is fun. This is this is something that I can see myself yeah. doing long term. They forget the yeah. contracts. 
Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I don't <laughs> yeah. need con- it's contract stuff. What's contract? And I don't <laughs> need forget the it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so exactly. that started your passion for the trial side of it. Absolutely. And so then where do you go from law school to your own practice and why specifically personal injury? Right. So after my first year of law school, I went and was uh, had that opportunity to clerk for a judge in Birmingham. Mm. And so um, he was a trial court judge. So I got to see trials, hearings, really got to see, you know, on the ground floor what a what a what a trial lawyer does, right? And uh there was one trial specifically that I I watched as part of uh, as a clerk as this judge's clerk that pushed me towards doing plaintiff's work, pushing pushed me towards representing injured victims. Mm-hmm, um yeah. it was a an a case against an apartment complex where the the plaintiff um, was this twenty. She was in her early twenties, very pretty mom. She had a, a, a very small two to three year old um, kid, and they were in the apartment complex. And this, they were they were cooking one day, right? And they were making French fries, mm-hmm. and they they were doing it where you know you get the big pot of grease, you put yeah. it on the stove, you fry them up, you put them into the plate with the net, you know, and everything like yeah. that. Um, a grease fire started. Oh no! And so a grease fire, in, you know, flames went up everywhere. Everything like that. She runs and is trying to find a fire extinguisher. Right? Can't find one in the apartment complex. Oh no! They well, run. A it's a no-no. That's and so a no-no. then they run outside and say, so, you know, imagine going outside of an apartment complex where you know every little bit you can imagine, or a hotel where those fire extinguishers are yeah. supposed to be on the wall. They go to the first one. No fire extinguisher <gasps> in there. There was a thing, but no fire extinguisher inside of it. Exactly. It was just like IOU. I feel like like strike two. two, Baseball reference intended. Strike two. Strike two. That was so cute. That was so good. He wouldn't understand. I got more. I got more. Yeah. (laughs) I had to give spell it out for Laura. (laughs) Okay, so they're in the hallway. Nothing there. Frantic, right? Yeah. Fire going on in the apartment. Please tell me, like, it is her with her kid running in this hallway. If I remember correctly, there was other people in the apartment complex. Okay. So it wasn't just her and her kid. Okay. So there was other people trying right. to find so sure things to, put, to mm-hmm. put this fire out with, right? And so what um, what she did was she ran back in the apartment complex. And this was in, I can't remember what year it was, but there was a big snowstorm in Birmingham that year. Okay. And so she gets the big pot of grease that's on fire and instinctively just runs it outside. She gets it out of the apartment complex. Well... Now science takes over when you have a boiling grease fire and you have freezing cold temperatures, they're going to combust. And there was an explosion, kind of an explosion, and all that fire and grease blew up and burned the entire left side of her body, I think it was. Um, And it was one of the most powerful stories because what I vividly remember is her husband being on the stand or her boyfriend, or I don't think she was married. I think it was maybe her boyfriend um, being on the stand and telling this from his perspective mm-hmm. and telling how, you know, he, she ran back into the apartment complex and her skin was literally falling off her body, um, ran her, put else. her in the shower to try to mm-hmm. get her to cool down and skin was just falling off in chunks oh in the shower. And um, I mean, the ju- you know, the judge is crying. The lawyer who's questioning is crying. Wow. Like, the, the whole courtroom is just in tears because and she's sitting there as well. And you can tell she's permanently scarred and disfigured. 
and it obviously has caused indescribable injuries to her. Yeah. He's talking about how she can't hold her daughter anymore and all this type of stuff. And so it's it's horrific, right? Yeah. In Alabama, they're a, uh, what's called a a pure contributory negligence state. And basically if the jury feels that you are 1% at fault in any way, Mm -hmm. you get zero. Wow. You get nothing. Wow. So are they going to say she was at fault because she put, she should not have she taken caused it the explosion. Outside. She should not have taken oh, it I'm outside. Sorry. Oh, she didn't burn God. down the whole building with innocent people in it. Yep. Okay. So they gave her zero. Wow. Gave her zero. And so after watching that and after s- just seeing the passion that those lawyers were going through and mm-hmm. the way that they tried that case mm-hmm. and how you know emotional they were and how you could just tell that they were going to fight for this lady no matter what, in her family, right. tooth and nail. But they yeah. knew the one percent was right. there and likely. And they're still they're still going to take it, and they're mm-hmm. still going to fight like hell. And um, and so after that trial, I called the lawyers who tried that case, and I said, "I want to come work for you." Oh, I said, "I, I want to come work for you." I saw I was in the trial. I saw it. I want to come work for you. Um, and they hired me to clerk the second half of that summer, and I clerked for them throughout law school. Amazing. And so I got to work on a lot of good cases, and I actually ended up got getting to work on – and so that case that I was just talking about, that came out that one of the jurors – was untruthful and lied during Verdire, during jury selection. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they ask all these questions. Have you ever worked for a defense firm? Or, have you, you know, do you know these defense lawyers? Have you ever done this? Well, it turns out one of the jurors had actually worked for that defense firm years in the past, and she had this passion about going to law school and being a defense lawyer and all this stuff. Oh. And she didn't disclose any of that. And so when I started working for that firm, I got to – be on the the team that wrote the draft for uh, our motion for a new trial. Okay. So got to draft a motion for a new trial, basically saying this juror greatly affected the outcome of this case because they were untruthful during jury selection. Right. Um, And the judge ended up granting a new trial based on that. And so the case ended up settling out of court. They didn't, yes. they didn't, have, to, they didn't have to retry the case. So they ended so up, ended up getting something. Yeah. Even though like the fact of the case was, there is one percent there, yeah. and Alabama is this whatever language you used one percent state. Like that didn't change the, or I guess it did change the outcome because she did end up getting a settlement from right. it. It just was out right. of court, so right. it didn't matter. Right. I guess. Right. Wow. They didn't, want to, they didn't want to. Essentially, they didn't want to risk going back to trial and and it being because it was very emotional. Being the a first big, time. being a bigger, you yeah, know, being a big verdict. Wow, yeah. is that rule still in effect in Alabama? Yes. Are there yes, other states like that? I think there's three. I may wow. be wrong on that. Again, I may yeah. be wrong on that number, but there are a few states that are like that. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm I had very no glad idea. That Georgia it's, is not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just That's so crazy. interesting that it's 1% equals zero. Yes. You know, like I could get it, but it's like, hey, there's like 20, 30, 40, 50%, yeah. but they're mm-hmm. saying. If you, you cause even a little bit of this a, problem. A, a ten- yep. Like, could they have argued, like, she was making she didn't French fries, open period. The door yeah. and stayed in there. Well, then she was at fault because she didn't open the door. Like, I feel like yep. you could argue. Is that why you 1%. didn't stay in Alabama? Exactly. It's a little backwards. There. <laughs> exactly. It's a little wow. backwards. I'll, what I'll, is the logic for not changing that? Because I feel like if you explain that to a normal person, it's like, well, gee, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not quite right. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. And again, I mean, most states are like Georgia. You can be 
49% at fault mm-hmm. and you can still recover. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's, it's prorated. So, you know, you get $100,000 and the jury says you're 49%, then you still only get $51,000. That makes right? sense to me. But yeah. again, it's, it's logical. Right. I mean, that makes sense. That's, exactly. But to say you're 1% at fault, so you get nothing. So you get nothing. It's, it's that's crazy. crazy. It I want to look into the history of that. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, we need a petition. A- mm. Yeah. Something yeah. to go yeah. around. So, okay. I'm sure uh, people have done it, but okay, crazy. So if you weren't doing law, you'd be a baseball player. Thank God, absolutely, you're not a baseball player, and you are doing law. So you would <laughs> never be on this podcast. You would never <laughs> be here. <laughs> yeah, so you'd be on our baseball player podcast. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, sure. we've got one of those too. Um, <laughs> what team would, did you want to be on? Like, if you had like to pick your dream baseball team? So I, everybody always says, "Oh, so you must be a Braves fan." Uh-huh. And I'm like, not, "Of course, I love." The Braves. I mean, I remember the 95 uh, World Series. I remember watching that. I remember that very vividly. And, uh, you know, I remember those 90s teams that were just better than everybody. And it, it was, uh, you know, but my thing is I just uh, I just like baseball. So yeah. like, I, don't, I don't care if it's. He's wanted to play. Yeah, I don't care if it's the Seattle Mariners. You know, I love the Mariners. Bananas, like he King Griffey Jr. I love the Seattle Mariners. Yeah. Uh, I love the White Sox because of Frank Thomas. Dude, same. Yeah. I had a huge. Po- I grew up in Chicago. The Big Hurt. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I had a yeah. huge poster of him in my room growing up. Oh yeah. yeah. I had the cleats and everything. Oh the, the hell big yeah. Hurts. yeah. We're just gonna Listen. leave you guys alone now. Chicago baseball. That's sacred territory. I lived okay. in Chicago too for a time, but I whatever. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't have cleats. No, mm-mm. so <laughs> personal injuries. That's how you got there. Right. Whatever happened with the sports side of things? Did you go back to it at all? Like what? What's what's your story? So when I when I got out of law school, um, I came back. You know, graduated from Cumberland and Birmingham. I took the Alabama bar. And I'm still licensed in Alabama, then decided I wanted to come back home, mm-hmm. moved back to Georgia, moved back to Atlanta and took the Georgia bar and started working for a firm um, down in Atlanta mm-hmm. um, doing catastrophic, wrongful death mm-hmm. type cases. Yeah. And um, did that for about a year and said, I, you know, I want to go out on my own. I always knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to be um, – have my own business and have my own firm and, and kind of be able to pick and choose what cases I wanted and really do what type of law I wanted to do. Right. Yeah. And so when I started my firm, I was doing everything. I was doing criminal work. Um, I was doing, uh, divorces. Um, I was doing a little bit of everything and I got into sports agent. And so I did represent, um, some professional baseball players in my first probably two or three years of having my firm, um, and realized that it's, you know, I need to make a decision at that point, either go all in on the sports aspect of it or go all in on the personal injury plaintiff's work. Is that Um, a pretty common path to say like, well, I got to start before you find your niche, right? Do you have to do most firms start fairly generalized? I would say no. No. I would say no. Because, I mean, especially in law school, they always tell you find a niche, stick to it, and only do that. You know, become an expert in that field, right? Yeah. you know, when I started, and I didn't have a case list. I mean, I, I didn't mm-hmm. have clients. Um, I opened the doors with zero clients, and so yeah. I had to make money. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, 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 you were taking I, I, what you could get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to take whatever I, I could. Um, you know, I've I had a uh, I have a big network in Gwinnett, and so obviously mm-hmm. I opened the firm in Lawrenceville in Gwinnett, and um, and basically said, okay, I'm going to take whatever, whether it's hourly, whether it's um, contingency, whatever it is, and we're going to work on that, build the network, and then it's the right time now we're going to specialize and now we're going to go into that niche 
area, right? Yeah. Um, and that was in 2017 when I said, okay, we're, we're going to go all in on injury law. Yeah. Um, what was your first case like? I mean, this is a two-part question. What was your first case like when you were just out of law school and you joined um, the firm back here in Atlanta? And then what was your first case like on your own, like in your yeah. own practice? Very different. Um, yeah, that's, that's very, why I asked. Very, very different. So the one that sticks out to me um, when I was with Shaver Hamilton was, um, you know, they do a lot of negligent security cases. And mm-hmm. I didn't really know what negligent security was because Alabama, their, their laws, again, are backwards. And they nobody really did negligent security in Alabama. So this case was – and again, I think about this case all the time – it was um, a shooting case. It was a death case. Um, a little girl, uh, I think she was 12 or 13, um, mm. was an innocent bystander and got shot and killed by a drive-by. And um, obviously it wasn't meant for her. She wasn't targeted or anything like that. But that case was brought against the apartment complex for not providing adequate security, right? Oh. Basically saying that apartment complexes, you know, the law is apartment complexes, hotels, places like that that have a knowledge of prior criminal activity or mm-hmm. that it's foreseeable that prior or that crimes could take place um, on those premises have to provide a certain level level of security right they can't just do anything they can't they, they can't say oh we've had shootings and robberies and sexual assaults and all this type of stuff and not do anything about it right yeah. That's, oh, wow. um, totally fair. You know, they don't have to put up a fortress they don't have to have snipers out they don't have to do all that <laughs> but they have to do something like some cameras cameras gates patrol maybe guards things yeah. like that they, they have to take certain measures um, and so that case was against the apartment complex, basically saying that, hey, you know, you're in an area, there have been prior crimes on your premises, prior violent crimes, specifically shooting, stabbings, armed robberies, things like that. Um, you knew about it. You didn't do anything about it. And unfortunately, this, this young girl lost her life because of it. Um, and that was one of the first cases that I worked on. That's got to be – and. Big for you. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I mean, because I'm like, you know, I'm going to all the criminal hearings as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm with the family sitting in, you know, sitting sitting in the courtroom and their daughter's killer is right there. Mm-hmm. Right there. And that emotion, it, it, I mean, you know, I, I haven't had a case like that since then mm-hmm. with that yeah. much emotion. Um, because, again, I, I, that's the worst thing you can imagine right yeah is, yeah is losing a child especially in that manner i was gonna mm-hmm. say yeah like in a completely unprovoked you know just right wrong place wrong time it, right and baby right just it's just it was it was just so emotional but that you know that opened my eyes again to a, a new area of law and yeah. so i rep- i have negligent security cases now for that for that reason um and again they're, they're just there's there's so many apartment complexes, hotels that, that aren't doing what they should be doing, um, that know about it, that know that crime is uh, is foreseeable, mm-hmm. and they're not doing anything about it. Do they have any – is there any regulatory body that checks that, that verifies, or is it is this how you find out? Right. And again, you know, that's 
that's what we can use a civil justice system for is yeah. bringing that awareness and bringing, you know, those types of, of cases to light to say, Hey, listen, like, you know, again, a lot of them are in, you know, the South Atlanta's, a lot mm-hmm. of them are Gwinnett is becoming a big area for, for oh. negligent security and crime right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, it, it's, you know, a lot of it is that slumlord mentality, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, we're going to collect a rent check and we're going to collect payment. Yeah. And that's it. It's not our problem if somebody comes in and, you know, breaks down a door or robs or something like that. Yeah, Um, terrible. And and it is to a certain extent. And so really, you know, as far as a regulatory body, there's really not much other than the civil justice system. Yeah. And is that something, like, I've never heard that term. I've never been in that situation. But how do those, the victims, the families even know about that? Like, I would think if, if that situation happened to me, I would only be thinking of criminal and, you know, getting that. I would n- never even think that the apartment complex or the location of the crime could be at fault. So how does that come about? Right. And, and again, a lot of those cases come about from those victims just talking to people, um, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, whether it is the um, the officers involved or the detectives or, you know, wh- whoever that they can come in contact with. And again, and it's, and it's, it's, a lot of what you guys do too. It's it's digital marketing, right? Yeah. It, it's it's Google. Spreading I mean, the word. a lot of people um, are finding lawyers through Google saying apartment shooting case, yeah. you know, something like that. Uh, and, and so, a lot of negligent security lawyers will pop up if you Google apartment shooting case, gotcha. um, or apartment violence, or hotel violence, or hotel shooting. Um, that's that's a big way that mm-hmm. and, it, and it's based a lot under a premises liability theory, mm-hmm. saying that you know these property owners or these property managers have a duty to keep the area and the premises free and clear from dangerous, defective conditions. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, the victims will will Google it and search it like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but you know, a, a lot of the 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 people involved in those cases also know that there is going to be a civil side to it. Gotcha. I, that's what I was going to wonder. Like if the on the you know the uh, prosecutors, you know, if, if they're hearing these things and they're saying, "Hey, you might want to talk to talk to a lawyer," you know, yeah. attorney X Y Z. There might be you may, something you may, else. Yeah, you know, detective or something like that. Yeah. Saying, you may want to talk to you may want to you know you may have talk to a lawyer. Yeah. yeah, there may be something here. Um, you know, we, we've we've been out to that apartment before for this exact type of thing Mm. um we know that there's an issue there with prior crimes so you know that may be something that the property manager should have known about and should have done something about to prevent this from happening fascinating yeah Yeah. it is okay so your first case at your own practice my own practice yeah um Probably wasn't a personal injury case. Um, it was probably a criminal case, honestly. So Ooh. I was on the uh, I was on the appointed list in Gwinnett County for the first probably year that I started. And may since, I ask what the appointed list is? So if you get arrested uh-huh. and you're read your rights, you know you have a right to uh, to an attorney. If you cannot afford one, we will provide you with one. Okay. Right. So that would entail a public defender type. lawyer, right? Somebody that's employed by the county or the city or the Mm -hmm. state or somebody like that, who the county, city or state would then say, okay, you're going to be represented by this lawyer, right? Uh, Gwinnett County does it a little bit differently. They have the appointed list. So they they have lawyers who have their own firms or, you know, are private lawyers um, who are on this list who are given cases 
from people that can't afford to hire their own lawyer. Okay. And so then those lawyers are paid by the county. Oh, okay. I was right? going to ask if it's like a pro bono thing that you volunteer you can, to You do. can do it. I mean, oh. you can do it pro bono, but the county gives you, you know, the county does pay you an, an hourly fee yeah. for, for being on that list. Right? Gotcha. Um, and so with that, I, I handled a lot of um, like DUI type cases. Yeah. I handled a lot of, um, a lot of family violence cases. Uh, There's a lot of family violence cases involved in that. Um, and so I'm trying to think of one specifically that sticks out. I know, I know that there was a divorce that I handled that was that I always will always remember because it was the one and only divorce that Please I tell ever us, do. Really? Tell us everything. Um, it was insane. I mean, it, it was it's it the was, makings of a great story. It, it, it was <laughs> it was just one of those things where every day something new happened and. It was. A, I mean, it was a movie. I mean, it was. It was a. It was a. It was a movie to where there was so much drama involved. I mean, drugs, sex, alcohol, arrest, fraud. I mean, there's everything. Whose everything. side were you on? Uh, I was on the 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 wife's. The wife's and. Who was divorcing who? Yeah, the wife. The wife was filing. Okay, this is uh, not an appointed list thing. This no, no, is no, like no, no. The, this, someone who came was, to this you. Was a, a friend from high school. Okay, who? Um, She's like, my husband's a baddie, yeah. not in the good way. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I so, think well, it's my it new th- word. It was, I was like, why did I just hear this word? Because I texted it to you last night. <laughs> <laughs> last night, and all I could do was exclamation point. Because you had no like, idea what's going on. Know. You're like, we little baddies. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 10 o'clock at night and we're looking at P&Ls. <laughs> <We're bad. laughs> we're baddies. That's right. Is, uh, okay. Anyway, sorry. Did you put that, that in the, there on purpose? Into the microphone. Yeah, yeah. Um, hold on. I'm going to keep this going. Hold I was, on. I have so many questions. Thank you. I know. Because okay. when something is like the first and last time, like it's probably oh, yeah. pretty it's, bad. Right? Yes. Oh, I, I, I will never Life do it again. is a friend too. So We're going to pull gotta, this out of you. So, so no. So, so, so obviously I can't. No names. No, 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 no. So, so the, the person who called me was somebody I went to high school with oh. and she was calling me about her father and her stepmother. I and she you. called okay. me to represent her stepmother. Okay. Which, Wait a second. Which I should tell you yourself. This is muddy. There's some there's some stuff going on. Um, wow. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it, it was you know just I'm trying to I'm trying not to say too much about it, but um, but again, there there was uh, at the end of the case. I'll put it this way: at the end of the case. We had about four two to three inch binders of um, of evidence, phone records, financial statements, statements from other people, oh. all this type of stuff that it, that stemmed years and years and years. Um, that was quite overwhelming. It was quite overwhelming, but it, it was again, it was it was a lot of drugs, a lot of sex a lot of uh just a lot of just bad bad stuff that had been going on for a long long time um that at the end of the day you know we were getting ready to go to trial on the case because typically divorces don't go to trial no you just said that like is there you know as a divorced woman myself like nobody's gonna i don't really like fight you on a divorce so was there just either like asset division that that's like Right. Where a lot of the evidence and stuff was coming in and, you know, right. alimony. Okay. That, that was a big part. That was a big part. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a lot of the assets because the kids were grown. So there, there was no okay. custody right. battles or anything yeah. like that. Um, you know, there was, there was, it was all about the assets. Okay. Um, 
And it, it was a fight to the end on the assets. And at the end of the day, we said we we're more than happy to present all of this stuff, but it's going to it's going to be out really there. Want all of this stuff to be out there. And by the time we were about to walk into the courtroom, he said, "Never mind." Yeah. Wow. are not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I he mean, the boat's not worth it. Signed, it, signed everything, and uh, we finalized that settlement right then, right before we we're walking into the hearing. Wow. Just a different type of emotion that you don't want to deal with. Oh, yes, I mean, that, right? I mean, that's that's 3 a.m. phone calls. That's mm. having to go meet the police over at their house because oh. know, restraining orders and everything like that. And, oh, wow. Uh, it was never ending. It was never ending for about a year and a half. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. it, was, it was crazy. Never again. Um, if you're getting divorced, don't call this man. No, he no. won't help you. We'll, we'll never, I, no, Just I'll, he would I'll, help I'll, you. I'll he refer will... you to Paul Simon. Yeah, yes. there you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, how does your baseball sports background help you in your career as a lawyer? Competitiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Don't like to lose. 100%. I feel like that is exactly why so many of the attorneys that we talk to say that yeah. that would be what they were doing if they weren't doing law. They all say professional. Athlete. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that we all, that y'all all have in common. I also love how they all assume they would just be a, a professional athlete. Like they were like, right. oh yeah, it would be <laughs> right, right. Like, you at least have like, you, know, you kind of did it. Whereas This like, is not a dig on anybody. No, including no. Including Paul like... Simon's golf swing. Sorry, Paul. <laughs> every <laughs> episode, every episode I will find a way to work in his golf swing. <laughs> You are going like three strong right now. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this is three. actually, I'm not, I haven't played golf with Paul. Is it horrible? Is There's probably a, a reason. You, <laughs> you should call him up and tell him that we told you to go. Paul, play we're golf gonna play golf him. next week. Yeah. He's more of a bowler, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. I can see. I can see him. He looks like um, a big Lebowski uh, yeah. character or something. What would you tell another like college athlete who's having to make some sort of career change because what they planned for themselves wasn't going to pan out and maybe they were looking at a career like laws or anything in particular that you would tell them? Find what you're passionate about. Um, you know, again, and, and that that can easily be said, well, I'm passionate about sports sports i'm passionate yeah. about yeah. playing sports it's like okay that's great but there's got to be more to it so yeah. um actually have another organization that's called athletes in transition mm. that we mentor uh former athletes whether it's high school college or pro athletes in their transition from athletics into the real, the world, real world into the business wow. world. so we set them up with mentors whether you know they want to get into law they want to get into medicine they want to get into insurance they want to get into marketing whatever it is set them up with mentors to help that transition after sports very cool um, and so a lot of it is find it's really not find what you want to do or what you're passionate about find what you don't want to do first yeah you know, find what you don't want to do and then kind of work that way if you have no idea you know yeah. there's some people that they have an idea. They want to go into sports casting or they want to go into marketing or they want to go into um, medicine or something like mm -hmm. that, right? They, they, they want to do something. They have an idea. They're passionate about it. Um, and they, they, they know the path that they want to take. And so at that point, it's find a mentor. It's find a mentor that can help you in that area of expertise get to where you want to go, grow your network, grow, you know, um, grow your business contacts and things like that. Um, you know, the other thing is, is just, is, is be an expert, be an mm -hmm. expert in what you choose, right? I mean, it's, if you choose one of those fields, be an absolute expert in it. And again, I think that athlete mentality and that athlete mindset, mm -hmm. there's a podcast called the athlete mindset, right? And it's all about talking to athletes and former athletes about why their mindset is so different in their life as an athlete or life after being an athlete. Yeah. 
the discipline, the competitiveness, the, the work ethic, that type of stuff, that all transitions into the workforce, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people that, like when I was getting out of law school and in law school, we would always have law firms come to the law school and interview. And, yeah. you know, you could, you could basically put your name in the hat and you go interview. And that was one thing that they always liked was I was a former athlete mm-hmm. because, you know, you have a hiring director or a hiring manager. They're going to say what they have found is former athletes always perform at a higher level yeah. um, because of their mindset, their mm-hmm. mindset yeah. of being more disciplined, of being more organized. Mm-hmm. I mean, playing college sports, my day, I didn't have to think about what I was going to do during the day. Yeah. Mm. It was, you have your workouts, you have your breakfast, you have your classes, you have your tutoring, you have your practice, you have your night tutoring, and you do it yeah. all again. Yeah. It's all structured and it's all set out for you. So that mindset transitions very, very well into the workforce and into, you know, into, into a career yeah. because it's already ingrained in you, right? If you yeah. have someone who's telling you what to do, like what if you're on your own, you've got your own like practice, like how yeah. does... And, and again, I think that that's, and I think that that is a big, and that's a big reason why I, I do enjoy doing the athletes in transition because mm-hmm. again, you hear about the professional athletes that get done playing, who go blow all their money, yeah. who are bankrupt mm-hmm. all the a couple time, of years, yeah. who get in trouble with the law, who do all this type of stuff because they, they don't know how to do it themselves. Yeah. So what we do is try to take that transition and say, all right, let, let's, let's take that discipline. Let's take that structure that you're used to. And then let's transition it into a, a way that you can do it on your own. And yeah. That you can follow that same same type of structure, but on your own, and, mm-hmm. and not have to not have to have such a drastic change in lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and finding a mentor is is crucial to do that. Mm-hmm. It's crucial to do that. Yeah. So with athletes in transition, do you work with athletes in Georgia across the nation? All over. All, all over. over. Most of them are in Georgia. Um, yeah. But all over. Do they just like? find you online or word of mouth word of mouth word of, word of yeah. mouth more than anything mm-hmm. it's you know somebody that we've worked with before um you know we have relationships with agents um oh, and yeah. so you know hey if you have somebody who's who's getting out of the game um and they need help finding something you know some purpose yeah some purpose mm-hmm. some yeah, purpose um, they've kind of lost it yeah. at that point absolutely and, and again it's a real real thing um yeah you know a guy that i went to high school with that played Football at Georgia was a three-time All-American there. He played um, in the NFL, and uh, we talk about it all the time. It's Rennie Curran. Um, he's a linebacker, one of the best linebackers in Georgia's history. And we talk about it all the time where when you're done playing, like that, it, it's hard. Yeah. It, it, it's hard, especially if you know that's what you've known your entire life. Yeah. You have to find that purpose. You have to find that – you have to find what you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a while. I mean, it took me a while. I mean, again – thought it was coaching. Yeah. I hated coaching. And then it was, you know, the agent thing. And then I was going to law school and then trying to figure out, okay, what, what do I want to do here? Yeah, like yeah. How, what type of law? I mean, you know, I should be playing. I'm seeing my friends play that are, you know, mm-hmm. that I grew up with, that I mm-hmm. played with in college. They're still playing pro ball. They're still mm-hmm. out there living the dream that I had. And it's like, yeah, you, it's you, hard. Kind of, you kind of see there and you're just like, I'm sitting here in freaking contracts class. In law school, <laughs> yeah. Reading a hundred pages a night and it's, it's tough. And so, you know, just having that having that ability to to transition and that mindset is is, is, yeah. is a big deal and it's tough. Um, do you do any kind of legal work at all, like with NIL or anything, or are you just strictly now injury? No, so that's so um, one of the coolest things that I've done recently is get back into the sports oh. and. Um, 
I about two or three months ago negotiated the the highest contract in professional bull riding history. Hey, what? look uh, at you! What? Yeah, professional bull riding is something that I never thought that I would say. Yeah, yeah. That I, I worked with pro- professional bull riders. I think you, I would have had to have asked you to repeat that three times had I not just caught up on Yellowstone and like yeah. <laughs> kind of have like a clue. You could have said name ten sports that you think I just worked. I know. On, and I'm I mean, not sure bull riding. No. would have made that would list. have ever come to mind. Right? Yeah, I might have said dodgeball first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dodgeball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. How did that come across your lap? So. I, randomly, I mean, just very <laughs> randomly, um, very very randomly. Um, I have a cousin who who does some digital marketing for some bull riders um, and some bull riding. So the bull, the professional bull riding as an organization is typically has always been a individual sport, right? Sure, yeah. Um, there were never teams or anything like that. This year, they started a team series. So they had eight teams. Oh, um, the more you know. Eight different series in eight different cities. Is um, it um, what's the organization? I've worked with a bull riding organization in the past. Weirdly enough, PBR. Yeah, 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 they're great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so not so, the bar at the battery. Same thing. Oh, oh, oh. <gasps> yeah. Oh, there's a connection to all that. It's a, the PBR is the Professional Bull Riders, you know, Professional Bull Riders Association, and so PBR is the is the biggest bull riding organization. Not the beer world. Not the beer. Not talking about not Pabst Blue Ribbon. That's what I think. But the PBR, I always thought the bar was. But there is a P, no, there's a PBR because he's got the bull rider. Yeah, it's got, got the, the bull, bull in there, yeah. and like yeah. the girls it's that it's wear the same, like nothing. It's the same brand. I yeah. think yeah. I just oh. always thought yeah. it was oh. the beer, like yeah. it's named after that. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, how many times do I go to the battery? You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, so. it's a, so it's the same the same same one, and so they um you know they have an event coming out to Gwinnett that they have every year um at Gas South Arena mm. in, in January, so it's coming up. That's but, a fun event, by the way. Yeah, I worked it before. It's, it's, it's the events are the events are amazing. Could not, yeah, get very weird, but yeah, it's yeah. they're a fun time. We should go. Go back to when when is it coming back? January twenty first, I think. Jan- oh. We should go. We should yeah. go. It's like a nice company outing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Heard it here first. Told yeah. us to it. Heard it. Uh, if any of our team listens, they will. Yeah. By the time they're listening, we may have gone. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> That's funny. Okay, go on. Yeah. So, All right. So uh, very cool. Any so, so other we ones? Got a connection in in to that. So they started this team series, right? So uh-huh. they have eight teams. Um, and they have a draft, and they go through all this, and so they're drafting all the riders, and you, know, you have a team in Austin, you have a team in Nashville, you got a team in, um, in North Carolina, you got a team in Oklahoma, um, Anaheim, I think it's yeah Anaheim, um, so eight teams across the country, and um, basically they go and have this draft, right? So just like a normal draft, just like what? a professional sports draft, first time they've ever done it, first year they've ever done it, right? And so, Can you be an individual? I don't know why I think you are now the expert on bull riding, but you are. Can you be an individual rider and a team rider? You have to. You pretty much have to be. You pretty much have to. Oh, be. So they pick from the individual riders to right. make a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And so the team series is only, what, I think it was six months this year it just Only? ended last weekend. Oh, um, the, seems the long. finals were in uh, Vegas uh, last weekend. Is it like televised? Mm-hmm. It's on CBS Sports. They have a contract with CBS Sports, and then they have a, a ride pass on um, Pluto. A ride? Oh, pass? yeah. I think okay. Pluto. Yeah, I think Pluto one, gets of the, one of the streaming. And I feel like if they get CBS stuff, I feel like. Pluto. But but it's on you know on. It's not Peacock. No, it's not. No, Peacock. you don't know Pluto. <gasps> I don't remember who told me about Pluto, but I love it. It's, I don't. I stream. 
everything. So it's yeah. how I can get like the regular oh. channels. Yeah, and so they. Um, but CBS Sports is on, is on regular cable. I mean, it's on. Yeah. Like, we have YouTube TV, and it was on there. Okay. Um, and so they um, they had this draft, and the guy that I represented was the first overall pick. Who's mm-hmm. the, he's his name is Jose Vitor Lima. He's from Brazil, and he is. The Michael Jordan of bull riding. Wow, he's 26 years old. He's broke almost every bull riding record. Um, he's he's this phenomenal. He's a phenomenal person, but he's just this incredible bull rider. Um, he just it's just natural for him. Uh, he was a professional soccer player and uh, tried to become a, a professional soccer so player. So tracks with you know yeah. Brazil. And so he and <laughs> tried so, soccer, so soccer and soccer and bull riding is yeah. Brazil yeah. through and through. And so um, ended up. Not making it as a as a uh, soccer player and got into bull riding and he is literally the the greatest there is. Um, he's a stud. He wow. Is. He is. He, I mean, he's broke every record. He's um, wow. He's won two world championships in the past three or four years. He was the MVP of the team series this year, um, and so got connected with him and he needed help negotiating his contract with his team. First overall pick with the Austin Gamblers, and he needed help. Um, Negotiating that contract. I feel like that's a weird area too, because a the first time they're doing it, he's the best of all time. Yeah, yeah. A sport that's like more niche. But if you know you have someone that good, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, look what Michael Jordan alone did for basketball. No. You know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. and, that's, and that's kind of the the what they're trying to again. They're trying to bring more notoriety and grow the grow the organization and grow the sport. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, it's been around for twenty twenty two years. The PBR has. Yeah. Um, there's a, a group of I think twenty. Former bull riders got together and said, hey, we just need, you know, instead of just doing this tour around all these rodeos and everything like that, let's get an organization and yeah. an in, in a, in a, in a actual organization going, right? I got to be able to play fantasy. Yeah. I think it's coming. I think it's coming because they're really, really going all in on this. And um, so, yeah, so ended up negotiating that contract with the team. Um, and, uh, I was talking to the, the GM of the team last week about some things and, you know, he's like, he brought it up. He was like, you know, you, you realize you negotiated the highest contract in PBR history. And I was like, well, I guess you're right. Um, and I was <laughs> like, yeah, I guess so. And, um, so that was really, that was probably one of the coolest things I've done in a long time. Um, because now I'm obsessed with bull riding. I was gonna yeah. And yeah. now I'm obsessed with, with trying to build a, um, kind of an agency and represent all these bull riders because they've Mm -hmm. never had anybody really represent them. Yeah. Fight for them. It's always been individual. They've always kind of, you know, again, and a lot of them are, are blue collar. Mm -hmm. They're literally, you know, the old saying, they're just doing it for the buckle. They're like a Garth Brooks song, right? Yeah. (laughs) But it's like, like we're just doing it for the buckle. We don't care about the money. We don't care about the fame. We don't care about nothing like that. We just care about the buckle. Yeah, I mean, you don't get to to bull riding for a big Nike sponsorship, right? No, (laughs) but, but but, you know, what I've been able to, you know, talk to Jose about, it's like, but you have that ability, right? You now have that platform, especially with social media, especially Mm -hmm. with branding and personal branding and doing things like that. You have that ability to really, really grow the sport and really be that, that platform and that spokesperson and that kind of foundational athlete to Mm -hmm. grow this into something that's, that's worldwide. Mm -hmm. They have people, you know, there's PBR Canada, there's PBR Brazil, there's PBR, there's, it's all over. It's worldwide. It really is. Um, wow. There's a there's a documentary about to come out. Uh, Amazon's doing it about um, 
the team series and the PBR and everything like that. Oh, really? Cool. Does your I mean background with personal injury come up at all? With like, obviously, I feel like bull riding is a lot more dangerous than uh, yeah. Not that sports don't all come with some sort of physical, you know, danger, but like bull riding is there's a a, more of a element, a wild card element there. I I would say bull riding is probably. I mean. It's the most dangerous that I've that I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, just think about training. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. For baseball, yeah. you train. You go into the batting cages. You take a couple swings. You know, mm-hmm. you go throw in the outfield. Some things like that. Yeah. You're not you're not going to get hurt. To train for bull riding, you got to get, get on a damn bull. You got to ride a bull. You got to get on a damn bull. Really, the only yeah. way to do it. Yeah. I mean, and it's you got to get on a <laughs> you know this massive animal that's trying to get you off, wreck you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and so just the training aspect to it is is very taxing on somebody's body. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so, yeah. mind blowing to me. Like the the first person who was like that that giant wild animal. I'm gonna sit on it. I'm and I'm gonna stay let it on throw it. me off. Yeah, if right. I could, if and I then could, I'm gonna challenge you. Yeah, right. gonna say, if and I could raise that, the first person I get, the second person to be like, that but looks I could do good. that better. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. right. I mean, yeah. It's, it's true. But then, but you know, you watch a show like Yellowstone. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, but that that's that was a lifestyle, right? Mm-hmm. That that was a that was a cowboy's legitimate lifestyle mm-hmm. is riding horses, breaking horses, breaking bulls, and trying to oh. get them to actually be functional, right? I mean, that's yeah. what they had to do back in the day to. To work a farm or work a ranch, um, and so then they just turn it into a sport. Mm. I mean, I am so far removed <laughs> from even that thought. I'm like the closest I've been is like the Oregon Trail game. <laughs> we all <laughs> try to pick my oxen. Oh, and- I always <laughs> die of dysentery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yellow yeah. fever. All that by stuff. a snake and yeah. it's out. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Done. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by HyperChat Social, the attorney's social media marketing agency. From branding to lead generation, we have experts specializing in all areas of digital marketing, and we're ready to help you take your practice to the next level. Contact us today at 877-359-3399, or book a free consultation online at tryhyperchat.com. That's T-R-Y-H-Y-P-E-R-C-H-A-T dot com. So earlier we were talking about, like, Alabama's, like, you know, 1% law. Like, are there any interesting strange laws like that as it relates around sports law contracts agency well with 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 being an agent you know most states require you to have a certification oh. so you know you can't just go into you can't just come into the state of Georgia and say hey I want to be an agent huh, really right? you got to go through an agency uh, you you even have to be bonded from uh, from a from a bonding company to to say that you're a licensed and certified agent in the state oh. of Georgia Oh, I didn't know that either. You could be like, I'm savvy. I know a couple people. Hire me. A lot of people do that. A lot of of (laughs) people do that. And I mean, obviously, you know, and then they call themselves advisors or something. Oh, something different. Yeah. I mean, as a lawyer, Um, you know, we could always just say, hey, we're going to be your lawyer mm -hmm. and still do the same thing as an agent, right? So still sign you up on a, on a, a contract and everything like that. But, you know, we can use our lawyer contracts as, in place of being an agent, but you do have to be certified to recruit, to go and talk to players, to talk to athletes and everything like that. And, you know, the one that's really, really kind of been in, in the, in the news and media recently is NIL. Yeah. Um, name, image, likeness and the, the laws and everything that have come out that are still in the works and still being changed and still being tweaked every, every year. Um, I think that one is the one to keep an eye on because yeah. it's, it's going to be changing year after year. 
and it's it's in no way is it perfect right now. So yeah. that's probably that's probably gonna, that's probably the biggest and, and most uh, you know most controversial right now. Yeah, I want to stay on the NIL thing just for a second. I'm a sports fan, just not baseball. But what do you think is the biggest like mistake that some of these athletes are making when it comes to NIL? Um, right now, like, is it the school's responsibility to help set that up for them or get them in contact with somebody? Like, where do you see the biggest disconnect right now? The schools could do a better job. Mm-hmm. Um, LSU just actually just did a really, really cool thing where they had kind of like a symposium for their athletes. Oh. It may have just been for football, but I think it was for all their athletes. Uh, but they had lawyers. They had Drew Rosenhaus, who's one of the biggest NFL agents, come in. Um, and they had some some other folks come in and basically run a, a, a conference for the cool. athletes to yeah. explain to them what their rights are, what they're entitled to, what to look for in contracts, what NIL really means, what they can what they can do, what they can't do, uh, and, and really taught the athletes how to utilize it to their you know to their in their best interest. Um, I think that's something that all colleges could do a better job of uh, mm-hmm. of, of yeah. educating the athletes. What it means, what they can do, what they can't do, what they need to look for in contracts and everything like that. Because, again, you get, you're going to have brands. You're going to have companies who are going to come in and try to get these guys to sign contracts and agreements that are that are, that are not in their best interest. Yeah. Right? They're, they're going to have terms. They're going to have language in there that's that's going to take away some of their rights or going to take away some of their NIL that they may not give up or the longevity of it or whatever it may be. And so I think just – Educating on what they're giving up and mm-hmm. what they're signing is 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 the most is is crucial at this point and something that the schools could do a lot better job. Yeah, of. makes their job yeah. to educate. Right, so. right, right. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Um, do you find that a lot of lawyers who kind of specialize in the NIL area that they go into it maybe more on contingency and like based on what the contract is? And based, I guess, maybe on like a long-term relationship with that athlete and don't really take any money for consulting on it or. Right. And, and, you know, that's the way I would do it. I mean, that's the way I would say, hey, you know. Build trust. I want to build this, build this brand. I want to build your brand. Yeah. Right. I'm in the process of starting a sports group as well. Um, You're busy. So, yeah. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> and so uh, it's, uh, it's called Seven Summit Sports Group, okay? And it's going to be tailored towards representing athletes in that capacity, whether it's NIL, whether it's bull riders, whether it's other Western sports. Uh, I'm not going to focus a lot on, you know, the baseball, basketball, football mm-hmm. professionally, but I do want to get into the NIL from a college perspective. And, again, I think a big part of that is gaining the trust and gaining these players. Because, again, you, they're college kids, right? And, yeah, and you yeah. don't want to take money out of their pocket. So you don't want to say, here's, you know, we're going to take 20% or 4%. I think there are regulations on what lawyers oh. or agents can take. Oh, that's interesting. Most sports do yeah. have that regulation where you can only take, you know, a maximum of 4% or whatever it is of, yeah. of a contract. Even in professional? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh. And so um, – you know, I, I think that from a trust perspective, that that's that's what law, what the what the lawyers and what the agents, the ones that are really trying to grow and trying to build that area and build that business, that nil kind of clientele, it's it's doing a lot of that. It's saying, and again, a lot of these. 99% of these athletes are not getting big deals. You're not getting, you know, you're going to hear about the million dollar deals. You're going to hear about the bigger yeah. ones, but a lot of them are getting. 
10, 20. It's like nothing, yeah, really. Right. Yeah. I mean, and so you can't come in and say, hey, I want 30% of that, right? And so that's yeah. taking the majority out of their pocket. Um, and so I think it is more so, from my perspective, it would be more beneficial to build the brand and say, hey, let's, yeah. let's team you up. Let's team up with really good, repu- uh, you know, brands with good reputations, right? Mm-hmm. Brands that you can grow with. Um, obviously, there's you know, everybody's not going to get a Nike in yeah. IL, right? Yeah. Very few people are, but there's local brands, there's local companies, there's mm-hmm. there's businesses all around that uh, you know what I would what I want to focus on are new and up and coming innovative businesses, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's technology, whether it's uh, marketing, whether it's digital marketing or anything like that. In that space, it's obviously that's up and coming, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That that tech space, I think, could offer a lot of, of potential for NIL students yeah. and NIL athletes and being able to grow their brand and be able to grow their ability to connect with other people. Mm-hmm. And again, my thing when I talk to athletes or when I talk to college athletes, pro athletes, whoever, it's you have to set yourself up for the future. You have exactly. to set yourself up for life after sports because at some at some point it's going to end. Yep. Mm-hmm. At some point and it's going to be sooner rather than later. Unless you're Tom Brady and it goes on forever. And ever and ever mm-hmm. and ever. And then when you think it's ended, it, it comes back. Right. <laughs> And it, but it's, but it's, and then you get divorced. It, it, but then, that was the divorce he was talking about. That's the one he did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I handled Tom and just uh, that's that's no crazy. Big, no, no big deal. Um, <laughs> but but even even from you know he's been playing playing what twenty three twenty four years. Yeah. I mean, if he hangs it up after this year or even next year, he's still got half his life left. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's granted he's. Just fine. I think he'll be okay. Uh, yeah. I think okay. no one should feel sorry for <laughs> yeah, Tom. I think I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, um, he won't be married, but he'll be fine. Right. Oh, I guess maybe he could be. I was say, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be fine. Tom Brady. He's married to the game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the problem. <laughs> um, awesome. Cool. So here at the opening statements podcast, we not only value. The stories, but we also value the lessons, and we really try to foster a good learning environment with all of our loyal fans. Yes, we want to teach you things that you learn uh, just by being a lawyer, not things that you just learn by reading a book when you're in law school or reading watching all the TV that is out there. Um, all those very, very true and factual. Yes, liar, law liar. and we order. Yeah, exactly. Legally Blonde is factual. Um Happy so people don't kill people. That's true. That's it is true. <laughs> Have you ever seen the show Goliath? No. no. That's probably my favorite legal show. Is that the one with um? What's the Angelina Jolie's? Billy Bob Thornton. That guy. Oh, I like yes. That guy on Amazon. Yeah, 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 yeah. By it's far good. My yeah. favorite legal show. Oh, is it pretty? How, is it like accurate? Or is it like? I mean, yeah. Yes. That's a good question. Okay. It, it is. I mean, it, it is. Now, again, some of the some of the things like, you know. You file a case and you're trying the case in two weeks, like that's not accurate. Okay. You're, you're gonna I mean, wait. Yeah. You're gonna be, there's always gonna be some. They have right? to speed say, it up, guys. Okay. Three years later, and yeah, program, right. <laughs> um, but that show is probably you know from an investigative standpoint, they, he has a couple of different cases. So each season is a different case. The first one is a civil case against a, a corporation. The second season is a murder case that he represents somebody. He defends somebody that's being charged with murder. Um, and so he, he, he handled, I think the last season was a pharmaceutical against a pharmaceutical company. He didn't seem to, so. to focus on a, on a niche there at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He, he broke that law school yeah. rule. He did. I mean, Billy Bob Brooks. He did a little bit. It's very entertaining too because he's like you know he's 
historically one of the best trial lawyers in the country and all this stuff, but he's also okay. a raging alcoholic. And so, you know, uh, it's like, you know, he basically sends his, spends his days in a bar because he got kicked out of his old firm and like all this. Oh. But he's still just an incredible lawyer. And it's Amazon. Yeah. Amazon. Okay. Yeah. We're going to probably both start that tonight. Yeah, so, but, but from like the investigate, like the civil case, like the investigation that he goes to, the witness work that he does, mm-hmm. the workup that he does, it's like, that's, that's, that's accurate. I feel like, yeah. obviously, this is not about, you know, we're not learning to be lawyers here, but I feel like it being a like a one case over a season is a very cool format. It is. Yeah. Kind of gives more time for the finer points of it. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't there a show that did that, like 24 or 40? Wasn't there something like that? I mean, 24 took place in a... one day. There was some show I felt I feel like, like where it went, like, and it was very, like, true time. It was like a timeline thing. I don't know. No. I have no idea what you're I talking know. about. What show was law it? show? I mean, 24. 24 does 24. do that. Yeah, 24 was epic. Lawyer, though. No, I don't the Lincoln a lawyer, lawyer no, kind of. Well, no, I don't know. We'll, don't know. we'll, we'll reconvene on that. that. Yeah. yeah. Out of all the law shows that you've watched, which I don't know if that's something you love to do in your free time is watch legal shows. But out of all of them, which one's the worst one? The worst one? Yeah. Ooh, that's a tough one. It's not a plead the fifth it, because it, it's I, you're I, not I offending don't, anybody. I don't like watching them um, because I just analyze them. Is it frustrating? Yeah, I just analyze them. Like, that, that's not yeah, real. Yeah, this is stupid. Not this would never works. happen. This would never happen. <laughs> Your wife is sitting <laughs> there like, just shut up. We're, oh, yeah. It's fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's not supposed to happen. Right. Yeah. 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 It's like, this is, there's just no possible way this could happen. They get entangled uh, with a I have no idea. Sometimes you make references and I am like, what is The longest running live action sitcom of all time. I'm not from this country. I plead the fifth. <laughs> I don't know. It's a great what show. You, I, I feel like that—that's the longest. I know, right? Crazy, Always right? Sunny in Philadelphia. Always sunny is yeah. really. Is that crazy? I feel like that wasn't on that long. I feel like 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 2004. Friends, I thought like, I thought like any of those. Would, is it still on? Yeah. Like the longest running which type of show? Uh, live action sitcom. Live, okay, I was so gonna say Simpsons. Simpsons. Does right. be, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say the Simpsons. Wait, don't watch that is either. The longest. What does it mean by live? Like it's like it's a human, not it's like amazing. a not like a Simpson, not a cartoon. Oh, that's why you said Simpsons wouldn't be it. Okay, yeah. I was like, wait, that makes no sense because yeah. he just said the Simpsons. She's like, Homer, gotcha. Homer Simpson's not real? Yeah. I hate Don't to break it to you. I met him at Universal yeah. Studios. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right? I rode that ride. So, the worst one. Mm. That's a tough one. Um, I'm trying to think of what, what all is even out there. Uh, There's a lot. Of law ones? Yeah, like you've got – did you watch the most – like the Lincoln Lawyer TV show? No. I've seen the movie. Mm. Okay. I have not seen the show. It's good. I, know I mean I'm show. not a lawyer, but I liked it. There's a show. It's on it's, Netflix. Uh, is it the same premise as the Matthew McConaughey one? I didn't watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I liked it. I don't know. I, don't, I, I feel I like don't, somebody told us it wasn't. It was the same, like, lawyer. I don't know, though. But I, there's got to be something similar, right? I mean, it's I truly like that. I mean, he lawyer. drives a Lincoln. Yeah. And that's like and that's based driver. on a real person, too. So. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so I would think that he's got that copyrighted and trademarked Matlock, and everything. Matlock, that's a... Isn't Matlock? Matlock? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's based on... Um, Here, um, right? And was he... Yeah, he's up in... Um, mm-hmm. Northwest Georgia. Um, really? Yeah, I'm, I'm speaking oh. silently with him. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't. Uh, I my, my, uh, my mind is blanking me right now. I can't believe I th- can't think of his name right yeah. now. Yeah, um, my husband's family knows yeah. him. It's okay. Yeah. None of those were questions that are in our lesson plan. Yeah, but that's because no. that, I, I, I can't think of uh, a show that's <laughs> I don't even know where like we egregiously at. bad. Uh, yeah, I really yeah. can't because because again, I don't. I mean, 
the only reason I watched Goliath was because I, I like Billy Bob Thornton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And I thought that was... What's I, like that crime show where the guy is like, he's been shot, must have been a... Ra-. Like, he always has like these little one-lines for it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like CSI, but it's Oh, like, yeah, like, and he puts, on the, he puts on the sunglasses. Yeah, yeah like, yeah, he yeah. Like, always says something, he'll be like... He was saw, shot in the morning, sunny side up. You know, yeah. like it makes no yeah, sense. Yeah. But it's no idea. <laughs> probably what the worst case, like worst law in shows that aren't about it. You know, it's like they just have a trial right. episode, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah those, those are those are those are bad. Yeah. Those are bad. Yeah. But when the show, there was one that was out. It was very, very like one or two seasons. It was called Franklin and Bash. No, you ever see that? It was a uh, it was a uh, Zach Morris maybe. Uh, Mark Paul Gossler what? was one, and um, who was his partner? Oh, no, partner I was um, Screech, Dustin Diamond. No, he was in Road Trip. Um, <laughs> the uh, little skinny guy? Yeah. Well, who that, is, no. Brecken Meyer, I think is his name. Something like that. Evan's but, Googling it. I'm yeah. We're going to know um, it in half a second. But, fr- but that was, I actually enjoyed that show. Mm. But it was uh, it was Zach Morris, and um, it's not, you would know him if you saw the, his partner. Hmm. But they... Um, huh. But they would yeah, do, Franklin Bash. That's him. Yeah, they would do Mike. these crazy just antics in trial. Like, you know, they dress up in costumes and come to get their point across and all this yeah. stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I always hear that uh, the what about um, Saul? Saul. Mm-hmm. I always heard that one's really really good. I've just never Evan seen loves what about Saul? Really? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Big, yeah. Big big Better Call Saul fan. Better Call. Better. Saul. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. what did we say? What, what, what about, about Saul? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah we, big Better Call Saul. We don't know. <laughs> okay. I've heard that one's really good, but I haven't seen that. Highly one. recommend. Okay. Anyway, I tried. I just struggled going from I, Breaking Bad. I think it's better right away to Better. Call really? Call. I get. Yeah. I just struggled. It's, they're very different. So I've never seen either one. I, no. I, I couldn't get into either. Really? I liked Breaking Bad. I think but we made I it through. Breaking Bad like on DVD. Like Joe and I would go out and like buy the DVDs to yeah. watch. Like it was. I don't think we had streaming. Anyway, way back in the in the day. Moving on from our TV review. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's for another it's our podcast. New review corner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's one way you'd like to see personal injury laws change, or even for that fact, like, I mean, any of the laws you deal with, even if it's like contracts and yeah. I mean NIL, we talked about and having the schools be more involved in offering better education. So I guess yeah, maybe on the on the law on the, side, yeah. yeah. So law. from the law side. I'm going to kind of go a different direction on that. Not one specific law, but mm. I would like to see law schools change. Ooh. Uh, I, I, oh. would, I would like to see a big reform in law schools. Paint a big um, target. Let's go. I think law schools are the biggest money grab. I'm not going to say corrupt. I don't think they're corrupt. But I think, I think that it's all for profit. Mm. Um, and it has nothing to do with actually preparing students for law. Okay. Really? To practice law. Uh, they prepare students to pass the bar exam. They do not prepare students to actually practice law. Interesting. Um, and again, they're coming out in, with $250,000, $300,000 of debt, mm-hmm. yeah. and they don't know how to practice law. Um, that's one thing that I, I, I saw very early in my career was you get into a situation, you know, just like I talked about with the, the family of the, the, the little girl that was shot, right? Mm-hmm. Law school doesn't teach you how to have empathy. They don't, mm-hmm. It doesn't teach you how to handle um, – situations where you're sitting in a courtroom and you're having to show no emotion even though you're inside just burning with emotion yeah um it doesn't teach you how to really you know depose a witness you know it it can teach you some some strategic things and maybe some 
some tactical type things and something like that. But it doesn't it doesn't teach you real time law. Interesting. Um, it doesn't te- teach you the practical side of being a lawyer. Mm. Um, and it damn sure doesn't teach you how to run a law firm. Right. It doesn't <laughs> yeah. teach you, you know, how to. It doesn't teach you how to market. It doesn't teach you how to go and get clients. It doesn't teach you how to acquire business or you know how to draft your contracts or. Um, your book, you know, all that type of stuff. Law yeah. school does not teach you how to do that. And I think that that is a big, big issue that we have in this country is that yeah. all these law schools charge forty, fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 a year. And people are getting out and lawyers are getting out, passing the bar exam, and they just don't know what they're doing when they actually get into the practice of law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I would really change is the curriculum of law schools and make it more practical, make it more um, real life. And again, you go to law school, you're learning 1900 property law, right? Something that you would never ever mm. use ever, right? Yeah. Um, but it's on the bar exam, yeah. So you got to know it. You yeah. got to have this class. You got to know it. You got to take. You got to take the bar exam. You got to do all that stuff, right? But there's got to be a better way to to prepare law students for for real life law. Yeah, yeah. I mean, surgeons don't just. That's a- Read some textbooks and take an exam, and then start opening up your heart. That's right. exactly what I was the residency. Like the, yeah, residency. the residency aspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, what I would do is I would require. You know, when we got it, when I got into law school in 2012, we were we were told not to work our first year. Don't work your first year. Only focus on your academics. You know, you don't have the time to do it. Um, I would completely change that and say you're required to clerk or intern or work for a firm or work for mm-hmm. a DA's office or a solicitor's office um, or something like that. You, you're required to do it every year, and it goes towards your hours and it goes towards your you know mm-hmm. your, your ability to graduate. Um, I think I think that's something that's re- that's missing tremendously in our law schools. Yeah, yeah sounds like it. Yeah, mm-hmm. had no idea. Yeah, I think. It- I don't even know what I thought. I think maybe just from everyone's kind of progression from like joining a firm before they go out on their own, mm-hmm. I may have just assumed like a residency was part of the process. Yeah. I never really thought about some you just, business classes. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're just kind of thrown out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially, I mean, you know, it, and it is, um, there, you know, there there are those steps, right? There there are those steps that you can go through where you get out of law school, you go work as an associate, mm-hmm. you learn under a mentor, you learn a lot of good stuff, and then maybe you go, you know, either you make partner, or you go out and you you start your own firm or mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do y'all know Do y'all know Mike Rafey? No. He's um he does he's a personal injury lawyer. He's a plaintiff's mm-hmm. lawyer. Um, great great trial lawyer, and he's he puts he's starting to put all these little um. 10, 15 second little videos out. Right. Yeah. And he actually talked about this the other day where, you know, most personal injury lawyers either are personal injury lawyers one or two ways. Either they get out of law school and they become a personal injury lawyer and they really don't know what the hell they're doing. Mm-hmm. Or they go and work for an insurance defense firm or another plaintiff's firm or another, you know, another uh, um, trial lawyer and learn under them for a couple of years and then go start their firm. Right. Yeah. And it's typically one or the other. Yeah. And, and you know the ones that do go out and start their own firm and get thrown into the fire it, it's and you have to be very business minded and know how to set up your business and how to set up an organization and how to run that business extremely extremely well to make sure you're representing your clients well too right mm-hmm. and, and you're doing things that are in the best interest for your clients um 
And so, again, we're seeing that a lot in the personal injury field where people are coming, coming out of law school and they're immediately opening up, you know, hanging their shingle. They're opening up their law firm. Mm-hmm. They're going to get in loans. They're going to get in financing and they're putting up billboards and they're doing marketing and they're spending a lot of mo- money on marketing and everything like that. Um, but they're not being a lawyer. Right? Yeah. They're not they're not practicing law. They're 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 referring those cases out or, um, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it may be, because they realize how easy it is just to go and get financing and put up billboards and do all that type of stuff. Right. I mean, that's good and well, that's, that's all great. But if, if you're going to work your cases and litigate or try the cases, uh, you gotta know what you're doing. Yeah. You gotta know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the client expects it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have a mm-hmm. little bit of a, you know, justice that's required. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Okay. Well, I think this might bring us in. To our final segment. Yeah. You think so? I think so. We're going to try to put you in the hot seat. Um, and we call it our closing arguments. Yes, that is correct. This week we are playing a game of plead the fifth. No one's surprised. <laughs> yeah, We're going to ask you three hard-hitting questions. Okay. And you can I'm only ready. pass or plead the fifth on one of them. You okay. said you're ready? Ready. Here we go. All right. We're reading our questions. Yeah. Hold on. Um, the best of these. Oh, man. We really do need to start asking other guests for questions. Because, like, when you started out, you, like, write your, the questions and you're like, mm, we just don't know this person's personality. Right. Now I feel like I could really, like, go at you. Right. I won't. Right. Oh, why, why Like not? I said, I've listened to the <laughs> podcast, so I committed some crimes this weekend. So. You did. Yeah, <laughs> uh, intentionally. He's already admitted it. We don't have to ask him. Yeah. Um, being a competitive person, have you ever taken a case just to be another lawyer or a company and the example, please? Just to beat another company? Yeah. Another you're company? Just, just to get to You're like, I'm going to get what your story is, but I see who's across the courtroom from me. Doing it. Uh, all the time. Oh. All the time. Oh. In- insurance companies. Oh. Uh, okay. We fight insurance companies every day, and there may be a case that I'm not crazy about, or I don't love the damages of it, or mm-hmm. you know, there's maybe something that I'm like, eh, this this is this is an okay case, but I see a State Farm or All State on the other side. And All Snake, um, right? Isn't that what we were? All told? Snakes, all snakes. Yeah. Snake, all far- snake Farm and All Snake. snake. Farm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I haven't yeah. heard Snake Farm. That's yeah. good. <laughs> and so, um, you know, all the time because I I, I want I, I want to beat them every single time we get a case. Wow, um, because that not the answer I was expecting. That was like the best answer. <laughs> I know every time they're lawyers. Okay, what can we expect? Like, yeah. What do we expect? Um, how to talk? Let's see. These all right. Have <laughs> no, I don't like that question. Hold on. Usually we think of a, a good few. I know, like as we're going, uh huh. The way, but he was kind of forthcoming with like some of the little everything ones that we asked about. Yeah. All right, what laws did you break this weekend? <laughs> Not a speeding. No, but I, I will say that um, I was laughing on my way over here because this actually did happen, and um, I guess it technically is me breaking the law by association. So when I go to uh, when. Both my wife and I, we, when we go to Publix, our son loves Publix's popcorn chicken. Right? Yeah. You, you go by the Who doesn't? Yeah. And he just he, he loves it. And he's a very picky eater, so that's one of the only things that he eats. Mm. And so if he's being bad or he's, you know, even if he's being good and we want to, you know, 
you incentivize yeah, him. Right. So either way, we always go by there first. A popcorn chicken based reward system. Yeah. I like it. And so we get him a little thing of popcorn chicken. Fairly and he cheap. Sits in the, yeah. He sits in his in the um the buggy. car in the, yeah. Yeah, in the buggy and he'll eat it and he'll be quiet and let let us do our grocery shopping. Right. Well, I think it was this weekend or it was last week. Get through the checkout and everything like that, and we forgot to pay for it. Oh, you shoplifted? From <gasps> Publix? Popcorn chicken. Popcorn chicken, yeah. From Publix. Yeah. It's, actually well, it's actually Riz, so if he, he's, he just needs to go to Juvie for a couple days. And uh, <laughs> oh it's, it's his fault. But I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there and he's. You were an accomplished. You he, pushed him he's out. He's being quiet and he's eating, and so we're putting everything on there and check out and leave. And I'm like, I don't think we paid for that. Do you, know, you go back in? Like, like you were already no. loaded up in the no, car. They'll just up. buy double next time. Yeah, I'm like, it's... I don't think that works yeah. that way. But I mean, <laughs> can you scan that twice? <laughs> and so you know that, uh, yeah, shoplifted. Oh my goodness! Some Oops, chicken. some popcorn chicken. Some popcorn chicken. Oh my goodness! <sighs> yeah, and so Ridge, um, you know, he got some free popcorn chicken out of it. I mean, so. hey, he was happy. It was you your go. fault, he not his. Happy. Yeah, yeah. 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 driver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he doesn't have he doesn't have a credit card, so exactly. He really felt that was all on me. But other than that, I get I got a I got a speeding ticket in the mail the other day. Um, oh, yeah. Don't you hate that? Yeah, I'm like, what are these cameras? Where did you even put this up? Where was this camera at? Can we fight yeah. those rules? Yeah. Like, let's get rid of those. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's... I do like that Waze points them out for you now. Yeah, yeah. you know, that's very helpful. Yeah. I guess I will slow down. I won't speed here. Yeah. Um, okay, I have a question. So this divorce case you worked, okay. you oh. mentioned what was the name of the parties. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's the case number? Let's look it up. Um, <laughs> You mentioned there were all kinds of like records. There were financial records. There's a lot of like drugs and like all kinds of things going on. What was the most extravagant thing you saw in the financial records? Hmm. There really wasn't that. There really wasn't that much extravagant things. It, it was just uh, there was just a lot. It was just volume over value, really. Uh, of what? Just. What did he spend the most on um, repeatedly? I don't think I can disclose it. Oh. Okay, it was probably this place called the the Purple what was it? Yeah. <laughs> the, the Purple Horse. Oh, yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. It was uh, to, to some individual named Sage. I don't know. Um, Is this you passing? <laughs> Are you pleading the fifth? Uh, I think I have to on that. All I, right. I, 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 do, I think I have to on that. A technicality <laughs> still yeah, counts. I think I have to on that. What were we doing? I don't know what yeah. I was doing. I was, I was fist bumping yeah. myself. Yeah, pumping. I mean, I wish I could get into it, but uh, I think uh, I think I have to on that one. Sweet. Um, is so that is, like is the, it your goal to get people to plead yeah, the fifth? Yes. Oh, I'm uh, always yeah. trying to get you to plead the uh, fifth. I always want to find like the most like well, you gnarly. Gotta, you you got to always ask confidentiality questions. Well, yeah, but like we know. super obvious with it. Yeah. be like. We know you can't say names, yeah. you know, but I thought but maybe we could get like a I line item on the Technically, yeah. if you were like a uh, internet sleuth like I am, he only tried one divorce case, so you could probably just go to Gwinnett County, see yeah. all of his cases. But, <laughs> but, but because he didn't go to trial, it's not public, but like what's in the records. he was talking about. Right. You know, I still don't like, know what. Bob Smith, yeah. you spent all your money It was to Tom save. Brady. I know yeah. who it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Why the, are we... the documents wouldn't be necessary. The documents no. wouldn't be because um, it never got into yeah. the open. Yeah, the, the yeah. documents wouldn't be. But in, we know whose stepdaddy is. Know uh, the name. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so uh, still wouldn't know what he spent his money on. But yeah, that's. But again, that you know, I say I've only done one 
but I'm like, yeah, like you see, on internet. I love the investigative side of cases, yeah, yeah. and spinning. I, I would, I go down rabbit holes and I find things out about my clients, um, mm-hmm. probably more so than the other person, and then yeah. it's never. You're good. like, oh no, backspace, backspace. Yeah, I didn't see that. that. What's the craziest that. thing you found on a client? This is a fourth my question. No, um, no, that's I mean, a good question, a, Evan. Thank you, thank you. Well, with with our types of cases, again, we're always worried about finding out about prior injuries, right. prior cases, and things like that. Um, <laughs> I had one client that throughout the entire case just swears up and down, up and down. No, I've never been involved in any other wrecks. I've never been involved in any other work injuries, never had any other medical treatment, never had all this. And we're like... All right. Uh, kind of skeptical, but all right. We'll, we'll take your word for it. Um, we get into deposition, and the defense attorney brings out about eight other wrecks or workers' compensation claims. Oh, no. Had, Whoop. Had filed. Whoop. Um, you forgot. And, and again, that, that taught me the lesson to even if – don't take your client's word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't take yes. your client's word for it. Um, always do your research. Always do always do a background check. Always do that type of stuff. Because, yeah. again, I mean, it was like, like 30 minutes of just good. like, on this date, do you remember this wreck? And he's like, nope, nope, don't, don't remember that one. I'm like – Oh, just, no. Like, just, sorry. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 your name's right here. It's right here. Come You've on. completely you, forgot you about got, it. And so, you know, when that stuff happens, you just got to – yeah, you know you're you know you're screwed at that point. Yeah, yeah. there's no there's no coming back from that because again, I mean, you get in front of a jury, a jury's going to go, all right, we're not going to believe. Why should we believe that you're actually hurt from this when you've lied about everything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so, I mean, other than that, anything crazy about a client? Um, yeah, I wish there was. I wish at one point, I, I wish there was just like this uh, one client that I could say that was like. I find out that they're famous or something, or that they had yeah. been like, yeah. you know, that they're like a billionaire or something. Yeah, yeah. I never knew about. And then you find out, you look into it, you're like, oh, wow. Um, never had anything like that happen. Um, There's always time. Yeah. Always time. Yeah. yeah. 40 yeah. under 40, you know, like you got yeah. plenty of time. We got some time. We yeah. got some time. And um, I, th- I think there's, you know, there's, a, there's always stuff that comes out. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's always things that come out, whether it's in deposition, whether it's in discovery. Um, there's always things that come out that, you know, we we may have missed or that we couldn't find, or, mm-hmm. you know, that our client was not truthful about. Um, we get that a lot. But there really hasn't been anything that's just been outrageous that I'm like, holy shit. Like, like, whoa. Yeah. Look at this. Yeah. <laughs> right, this, is, this is cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I've had some clients that are that are siblings of famous people oh, um, that mm-hmm. I didn't know about. And, until later on, um, like A-list celebrity people, or like, uh, no, no, no. Uh, well, people we would know of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, we'll take uh, that. Yeah. 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 Very cool. And so they, yeah, so they, so that 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 was kind of. You're like, has anybody ever told you you look like so and so? And they're yeah. like, oh, well, it's my brother. And you're like, oh, well, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you so, go. Yeah. So I mean, well, this, and I can say this without saying names or anything. So it was a. Uh, a criminal case. Um, oh And it was, you know, somebody that would, <laughs> his mm-hmm. record was pretty extensive, um, pretty long. And uh, that's when I was on the appointed list. And, you know, we get into the case and all this. And like, we're in the courthouse and everybody knows him. 
Uh, everybody knows my client. And I'm like, I guess you've been here a lot. <laughs> like, I'm He's sitting there. Regular. And like, I'm like, everybody knows this guy. Like, And so – and then he tells me um, – we start talking about some stuff and he tells me he's like, you know, my brother and so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, shit, really? And I was like, cool. That's your first <laughs> cursor, like, by really? the way. I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and I was like – uh, he's probably not going to help you out, is he? Um, <laughs> not this time. Yeah, he's not, not going to bail you out, is he? Uh, he didn't. Um, but yeah, that you know, something like that was. It's yeah, pretty cool. Very cool. Oh. Well, thank you very much for joining us on our episode this week of the Opening Statements Podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Yes. So everyone, you guys can check us out at HyperChat Social. We're on all the social medias. And remember to give us a five-star review um, everywhere where you listen to your podcast. We will catch you next time. Case Case closed. closed.